Hello, everyone, and welcome to IPA's Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast, where we talk about what action the board took at today's meeting, why they took that action, and how it impacts your practice. I am joined, as always, by Sue Mears from the Board of Pharmacy in person, I would say. We are recording today after an in-person board meeting, so um, glad to see everyone back together and, and have a great discussion uh, today. So thank you, Sue. Sure. Uh, very uh, full agenda today and lots of exciting things that will certainly have an impact, I think, on a lot of the folks who are listening and, and their practice. So, Sue, without wasting any time, let's just uh, dive right into rules and uh, some not quite rules, some pseudo rules, I guess you could say, some protocols. But I want to highlight first the proposed notice of intended action for Chapter 39 relating to collaborative practice agreements. This is uh, I think, uh, obviously, in, in follow-up to the legislation that was passed last session, but certainly I think some exciting changes contained in this update. Yeah, so the board went ahead and they voted to um, file this um, language for notice of intended action. So it will, once it's filed and published, it will be open for public comment. Um, and it's a draft of rulemaking that they had actually requested um, be put out for kind of initial comment and feedback before even getting to the notice phase. So they've already received some amount of, of feedback from stakeholders, which they incorporated into um, the draft that they voted on today. Um, and so the rules just um, basically lay out the minimum standards and minimum requirements for what's uh, would have to be contained in a collaborative pharmacy practice agreement between pharmacies or pharmacists and prescribers. Um, and so the the board's website on the page for the board meetings has a link to the actual the language if people would be curious to look at that now uh, before it goes out for um, notice. And so they did go ahead and um, want to have that notice and we will also have a public hearing in addition to the written comments that people can submit like the normal normal process great so certainly plenty of opportunities for input um, i think some of the questions that we've received um, so it might be good to highlight um, as far as the changes from maybe the existing chapter to these rules um, I, i'd say when the legislation went through two of the biggest goals or at least potential changes just related to uh, allowing pharmacists to enter into collaborative practice agreements with practitioners or prescribers, I guess I, sh I should say, outside of physicians. Uh, and so the draft rules, correct me if I'm wrong, Sue, uh, allow for a CPA to be entered into right now with a nurse practitioner, a veterinarian, and uh, you're going to have to help me out on the last one. Yeah, it basically covers any prescriber who has independent prescribing um, authority. So physician, dentist, podiatric yeah. physician, veterinarian, optometrist, or ARNP. So notably, it would not include a physician assistant right. because those individuals are delegated their prescribing authority so they cannot further delegate um, prescribing. Great. And I, I also know, too, it may be different from the existing rules uh, as far as not necessarily being patient-specific for a collaborative practice agreement, but... Um, allowing a CPA to potentially treat um, certain populations that are uh, specified in the uh, collaborative practice agreement? Would that be an, an accurate assessment, I guess you could say? Yeah, I think the, the language is much more vague than yeah. the prior or the current 
language is um, that kind of allows that prescriber and the pharmacist or pharmacy to set up you know how they're going to establish that patient population and how they're going to establish that relationship with the patient great so certainly uh, something to stay aware of see what generally start to finish can you expect for a timeline? About six months six is usually months. The, the general start to finish. Yeah, so um, certainly important to ensure adequate um, public input, but, um, you know, kind of drawing that out, you know, something to be aware of uh, come wintertime, I guess. Perhaps or late. early, maybe early January. Early if January. If I looked at my yeah. calendar correctly and other, yeah. Great. Well, on the, on the flip side... Uh, something that I, I told Sue I want to give the board kudos on here is just how quickly they were able to approve the statewide protocols that were included in legislation last year for test and treat, and that's the next thing that I think we wanted to talk about today. Uh, so the board did approve uh, statewide protocols for both uh, flu and strep today. Sue, do you maybe want to talk about how that differs from a rulemaking? and? Yeah. Um, the effective date and, and how pharmacies can find these? Yeah, so the, the board um, in a separate rulemaking is um, proposing a rule that just basically refers pharmacies or says that pharmacists can um, participate in the statewide protocols and then just refers people to the protocol itself for all of the requirements and parameters. And so that's what we have um, the board looked at today was those specific protocols for flu and strep that um, identify what the criteria, the qualifications, you know, training education, um, and then just that, the whole process of testing and treating for flu and strep. And so the legislation, now the law, just requires that the board has to consult with um, the public health department. So we've met with Dr. Badati um, a couple of times about these, um, the draft protocols. And so we've um, been working with her and, and she's been very responsive to us, so that really helps in that time frame um, that she's been timely and working with us um, to give her perspective of what these protocols contain. So yeah, the board took a look at um, these drafts, and again, those are on the board's website, and um, they approved those. So once I get them kind of cleaned up and take the word draft off of the watermark and get them um, online, they are active and approved and ready to go, which is is much more efficient than the rulemaking process and the board did make every effort to still incorporate some feedback and public comment by sending them out um, and asking for that feedback after the last meeting yeah well it's it's certainly exciting that pharmacies can begin utilizing these and uh, i think there's a lot of opportunities to expand access to care so uh, effective as soon as as soon as Sue can take that draft notice off. Yeah. Um, but obviously, um, you know, there's probably a bit of a learning curve here for pharmacies. Mm-hmm. So um, I know IPA has been working on um, sort of a test and treat toolkit that hopefully we'll be able to link out here very soon to help pharmacies get on board with that. I know uh, I'm sure the board is willing to entertain any questions that they may have too. Um, but don't, don't be afraid to reach out as you consider implementing this in your pharmacies. Uh, it was a I know sort of a legislative priority now for a few years, uh, so good to get it across the finish line and uh, obviously good timing <coughs> here as mm. I think a lot of the general public has sort of looked at pharmacies as uh, recently with COVID as, you know, maybe in a different light as far as the services that they provide. Mm. So. 
hopefully we'll see some some utilization of those protocols relatively soon um, but like i said very impressive for the the board to to take that action uh as quickly as they did and implement that legislation i think it's exactly how it's supposed to work so uh kudos again Sue, so the last item that I think we have on the list for today is um, relating to the FDA MOU or Memorandum of Understanding uh, related to compounding. Now, this is certainly not my ex area of expertise, so I'm going to rely on you here uh, to discuss this, but not quite a rulemaking. I know there was some legislation that needed to occur for the board to enter mm -hmm. into this MOU with the FDA, but do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what actions the board took today to see yeah. that implemented or agreed to? Yeah, certainly. So um, just a quick little history for people. I'm sure everybody probably um, does know, you know, you remember back in 2012-ish when the, you know, New England Compounding Center of the Pharmacy um, had their horrible compounding practices and then Congress enacted the Drug Quality and Security Act in November of 2013, which created outsourcing facilities and then um, put in some more um, more strict standards for 503A pharmacies, just pharmacies that are compounding. And so part of that um, part of that law was that the FDA um, would have to enforce a five percent limitation for a compounding pharmacy um, if they're compounding and shipping outside of the state. They would be limited to only shipping five percent of their products out of the state unless the state entered into a memorandum of understanding with FDA, um, in which case then if the state has this memorandum of understanding, then the pharmacy, the compounding pharmacy would not be limited in what they're shipping out of state. They could ship 100% of their products out of state if, if that's um, what their business model is. So um, Iowa has been you know, this board has contemplated and had many discussions about entering in with the FDA MOU um, and has always, I think, been, you know, on the side of entering into the MOU so that they're not forcing pharmacies into being limited to that 5% distribution limitation. Um, so today they looked at what that um, MOU actually looks like with State of Iowa inserted in there um, and had a discussion and, and went ahead and voted to go ahead and enter into that MOU right now. Um, the deadline for entering the MOU or signing the MOU was set to be October 26th of this year, if I remember right thereabouts. And um, NABP had been requesting that FDA consider extending that deadline because some states were struggling with getting their legislation, um, their laws changed to be able to allow that sharing of information. So FDA did agree to extend by one year. So now it's not until October of 2022. Um, but as you mentioned before, um, Iowa, um, we were able to get the, the law changed this last session um, to, maybe it was last year, I'm getting them all confused, <laughs> <laughs> time flies. Um, well, yeah, the time has been sort of fluid oh my lately. Word, yes. but. And so, yeah, so in Iowa, we did get the law changed to allow the board to share the needed information with FDA. Um, and then separately, the board does have rulemaking and process um, to ask that pharmacies are submitting their compounding data directly into NABP's 
um, information sharing network to help facilitate that participation in the MOU. Um, so the board just took this final step of actually voting to enter into that. So we will we'll engage with FDA and let them know that um, we, we will sign that MOU and um, we'll go ahead and, and start participation in that agreement now um, or as soon as that, that transaction all happens with FDA and then next spring pharmacies then will be, um, once we get the rulemaking in place, pharmacies will be required to go ahead and just directly upload their compounding information into their NABPE profile and that will um, you know, satisfy the board's requirements with the MOU and then pharmacies will not have that 5% limitation yeah. on distribution. So no, no disruptions there. Yeah. Those rules, I believe the public comment period closed today too. So I think that's right. If, uh, if you're curious and want to access those, uh, those are available uh, on the board's website as well, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Well, Sue, like I said, lots of uh, positives out of today's meeting. We'll spare everyone the uh, legislative update discussion for now, maybe for next time. Um, but uh, the board and IPA are currently uh, meeting to put together the legislative proposals for next session. Um, so maybe after next uh, next meeting in November? Yeah, they'll have to have the, uh, the board's deadline to file for their any legislation they want to see they'll have to file at the end of November. Yeah. So the board will have to have language to vote on at the November meeting. So at, yeah, at that time, probably a great opportunity to talk in more specifics about potential legislation, but let's use all the time we have to not think about uh, politics <laughs> and the legislative session and, and uh, just concentrate on all the great things that are being implemented from last year's session right now. So. Uh, Sue, thanks again for joining. I want to thank everyone for listening as well to the What, Why, and How podcast. Like I said before, if you have any questions, as always, feel free to reach out to myself or Sue, and we'd be happy to answer them. Otherwise, we look forward to you tuning in next time. Thank you.